Hello and welcome to the Neighbour Food Podcast. This is Jack. And I am Jolene and we are your hosts today. Now, when we talk about artisans in this show, we're often talking about food makers, but it doesn't really cover it. So Google will define an artisan as made in a traditional or non-mechanized way using high quality ingredients. But even I have to say for me that it doesn't quite cover it. So for me, an artisan is buying from the person or the people who also made it. So -hmm. it's about someone making their products and running their business at the same time. Gotcha. Now, I must admit that I don't really believe that everything in the world should exist this way. But one great advantage of a strong culture of support for artisan produce is the opportunity that it lends people to try something out. Mm -hmm. So to start with very little investment and it provides kind of a crash course in everything you might need to know about running a business. The feedback then that you get from customers, whether you're at farmer's markets or selling through something like neighbor food, that's beyond valuable. So the exercise kind of of bringing the front and center of every aspect of your business allows you to kind of refine each step and ensure that your whole operation doesn't have these glaring issues that you don't know about somewhere down along the line. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And the pandemic of 2020 just provided the perfect motivations for such businesses to emerge. And today's guest is 50% of one such business. This was founded in June 2020, Foxglove Cocktails. It was formed by our guest Tara and her brother Rory. The goal was to create non-alcoholic cocktails to buy in retail environments and take home to finish with your alcohol of choice. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So we spoke to Tara about how non-alcoholic has always been a key part of their approach to their business, not just to circumvent the licensing laws, but also to consider the non-drinker in a group and allow them a delicious drink too while they were out with friends. We talked to her about her career so far and how her path in PR and working with Jameson took her up the corporate ladder and inspired her to realise that she was actually happiest behind a bar, in front of customers, and guess what? She loved America too. They loved me in America. (laughs) And Tara's knowledge of drinks, recipes, flavors, and the mechanics of how we kind of have a drink really is endless. And I really enjoyed this chat, and um, I hope you guys do too. Let's go. Okay, so what is your name? What's your full name? My full name, uh, Tara Elizabeth Copplestone, but everyone just calls me Tara. <laughs> right, Tara, what Elizabeth Copplestone, mm. what was your first job? So I think. So I grew up in a family where work was always very, um, when I use the word encouraged, uh, it was always a matter of like, you know, doing your bit around the house and stuff. So I think I always had like odd jobs growing up, especially being from West Cork. There was always like in this, I'm very involved in Baltimore Sailing Club. So always around 10 or 11 years old going in and in the evening time, helping with the dinners, clearing plates and stuff. So in that sense, hospitality was always a huge part of uh, me, my, my growing up and my childhood. I think my first real job was in Cafe Paradiso as oh. a waitress, which sounds really, really fancy, but I grew up around the corner from the restaurant. Right. So um, I think it was around the age of 15 where my mother finally said, you're legally able to start earning some money. <laughs> uh, and I was working inside there Saturdays uh, for transition year. And that's, I suppose, where my first experience of like serving and like wine and just the general hospitality like kicked off and started. Cool. And obviously like Cafe Paradiso is such a well-known place for food. Like the food is amazing. Was that kind of where your, um, I suppose, interest in flavors and kind of like putting flavors together? Did that come from that? Or was it maybe a 
from somewhere else. I think I I think you just observed you you just absorb things at that age. I don't even think I realized how substantial that would be later in life. But even just the fact that when I was working in somewhere that was completely vegetarian and I still loved all the dishes, like that to me yeah. was like, so like, you know, inventive and like, you know, just really just encouraging. Yeah. It's not just like your run of the mill restaurant. But then at the yeah. same time after that, I worked in Scoozies for five years. Oh. So I didn't always work in high end like cuisine restaurants. I just loved the buzz of just a busy place. And that was always what was my big motivation for working. Uh, was just, yeah. And did you ever step out of hospitality, Tara? Um, briefly, I uh, well, I studied law in UCC. Um, so for a brief moment in time, I thought I would be a high flying solicitor, but that never really <laughs> took off. Um, so when I finished law in UCC, I uh, did a master's in public relations, and for a year, I worked for the Hope Foundation in Cork, which okay. uh, helped the street children of Calcutta in India. Uh, is, um, so I was the PR and event coordinator for that. So I suppose that was probably the only career that I had that wasn't in hospitality because after that, then I moved to New York and that's where my real love of this whole, of the bar industry took off ah, big time. Okay. So working in a cocktail bar in New York. So <laughs> yeah, like this is where we play the coyote ugly, like soundtrack. <laughs> Um, no, so what happened was, uh, it was a really interesting journey, really. I moved to New York in 2014 and uh, naturally, again, thought I would be a high-flying PR, uh, Samantha Jones from Sex and the City career woman in New York, but was working in a bar while trying to find that career move. And while I was doing that, I met um, a couple of girls who worked for Jameson one night because okay. my brother at the time had also worked in the US, was in New York for... Um, a couple of weeks and got me to meet him and his colleagues for a couple of drinks met them by the end of the night they had basically offered me a job on their team to come and work for Jameson so I had an amazing job for four years there as like a sales and promotional representative for the business so basically what my job was is I wasn't behind the bar as a bartender but I was a like a sales and promotional rep. So I would look after 80 to 90 bars in Manhattan. Okay. It would be my job to go in for Jameson and to basically like make sure that the brand was well represented in each bar and restaurant. Right. If there was any new product that was being launched, I would make sure that there was a, an event behind it. If, they, if I had to train the staff, I would host that. If there was any like quiz night or any big sponsorship, I would make sure that we could get behind that. So in that sense, it really like, solidify or just strengthened my understanding of how a bar works because mm. I was coming in on the side of like a rep representative for a brand but then dealing with bar owners mm. and bar managers and bartenders so it just allowed me to even see like different aspects of like price points and delivery how you deal mm. with competition things like that not mm. just like serving and pouring cocktails it was a much more broader view of how yeah. the industry is yeah and like I mean I suppose New York is just so full of these amazing cocktail bars. Yeah. And the bar scene there and the nightlife scene is just out of this world. What was your biggest memory from that time? So, so I lived there for nearly six years. Um, I left just before COVID. But when I was working for Jameson, uh, I suppose my, well, the biggest decision that I made was to actually leave that corporate job and to go back bartending, which was a really big decision to make. And obviously when you're in this hype, you know, is the fast paced, you know, uh, city where everyone's going to on the corporate ladder and you're going faster and faster and faster. I actually was going to, I was taking a bit of a turn going off that and going back to, uh, work behind the bar. But what happened was while I was working for Jameson, I became really friendly with this 
uh, bar group that owned about four or five different okay. bars in New York. And I became friendly with them on like a personal level, hung out with them a lot, as well as doing business with them. And just kind of told them of like my dream to always own my own bar or always yeah. do, you know. So they then when they were opening their next bar, approached me and asked me to come on board with them. Amazing. So that was a really like interesting time, really like fun time because I got to like say goodbye to like the corporate world. like, yeah. And then I got to re-enter into like the fun, fast paced bar world with yeah. all the experience I gained before. So and then so we opened Blue Haven East on Murray Hill, uh, this unbelievable sports bar, not not at all a a fancy cocktail bar, but a high volume, great energy, seven days a week uh, sports bar, like 20 TVs, wings, chicken tenders, that kind of like American bar. And that's where I worked right up until COVID hit. Could they understand you in America? They loved me in America. Not <laughs> my Irish accent got a lot stronger whenever someone said, I love your accent, because that was my moneymaker. I also never, I kind of was helping in hiring, never hired another Irish person because I liked that niche I had in the, in the bar. <laughs> I liked being that Irish girl and I didn't want anybody else that was funnier or better looking than me going in. Such a low bar I said for myself. But you I was to read in the tips anyway. That's yeah, fantastic. yeah. That was what paid the bills was the Irish accent and the how we get on and so it worked well. So part of the story I heard about Fox Club was that you were working in New York doing all these amazing things and then the pandemic hit and you came home. Yeah. Tell us about that time. So, like I said, we were working in an amazing environment. We were building this bar up and we were about 19 months open. Um, And then I remember, I remember like the beginning of March and I actually was home in Ireland in February when the first case was identified here. Mm. That was my my two weeks home for the year. And I remember hearing it on the radio and everyone was like up in arms and they were calling in uh, Radio 1 and Joe Duffy and everyone was talking about this. And then I went back to the States and kind of was like this COVID thing is kind of taking over Europe and people were still very much like kind of dismissing it being like this isn't a big deal uh, you know like it's just like the flu we're not going to it's going to pass by and then uh, I remember around like March 14th the NBA which is the basketball league cancelled all their games for the whole season which was insane because they were only they hadn't even hit the playoffs yet and this is a huge revenue stream mm. for us so that moment was a time where we all were like, okay, this is going to change the dynamic of, mm-hmm. of how, this, this is a change, a, a turning point for, 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 for this situation. So then it came to the Sunday. I think we all kind of remember where we were, like mm-hmm. when, when COVID started hitting, it was the Sunday evening, the uh, must've been the 15th of March. And I remember my manager called my, the owner of the bar called me and he was like, I need, cause I always did all the menus and stuff um, on the amazing website, Canva, if no one's ever heard of it. <laughs> um, so I used to design all the menus and everything. And he said, we're going to be closed in the next two days. We need to start focusing on our to-go business. So we, I went into the bar and I started building a to-go business or a menu really that we would start distributing the next day. And within three hours, um, the mayor had like said, we're shutting all bars completely. Like they're going to be closed, uh, you know, by 5 p.m. tomorrow. And that is it. So it was a real sobering moment for all of us, especially we were never expecting New York to say we're closing everything. You've never, that's never happened before. It's so unprecedented. So the next morning was the Monday before Paddy's Day, the 16th of March. And we had bought all our St. Patrick's Day Jameson. We had all our kegs for Guinness. Like we had we had nearly $10,000 worth of product just sitting there. Wow. So we had to deal with all of that. 
and then as well as that, like close down the bar, get rid of all the food, all the fresh oh, produce, yeah. cancel all the orders we had, tell our staff that they had to start um, go on employment. And then as well as that kind of internally wonder what I was going to do oh. for COVID. So uh, amongst all of this that was going on for the whole day, I kind of called my mom in a bit of a panic. Me and my mother are really close. And I just said like, don't know what I'm going to do. Like we're, we've got, we're going through this really difficult time. You know, we're, we're all doing it. Um, and at the time I was living on my own in New York and my mom like would do anything to get me home. And she was like, girl, oh, go off to JFK there and come home for two weeks. She'll not look after you. So she, cause we all thought it was like a two week flatten the curve moment. Mm. So I was like, grand, sure, I'll go home. That's brilliant. And I'll be back now in April and we'll pick up everything up. Uh, we grant. And so that I literally left the bar uh around midnight that monday flew home about four or five hours later and that was me home and then that was, you home. that was it yeah yeah any but, regrets in that move well i never thought when i left new york that i was leaving for good that was never my intention yeah. i still had food in my fridge like i i took only a carry-on bag but i think when i came home and i was so appreciative to be close to my parents and i was so glad to be in beautiful west cork and actually glad of the routine that yeah. just all yeah. of a sudden mm. yeah good night's sleep, good food, like a bit of quietness, but I was really glad to be home. So not so much regrets, but often like, I wonder what would have happened if COVID had never hit. Mm. You know, like the, always that kind of, what, How long what have if? you been in New York? Just uh, nearly six years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. So you build a life. And, and then the complete opposite of kind of like reading into the space and the quietness and the stillness. And I know at COVID, like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was the same for you, Jack, as well initially, like, just so quiet and the peace and being able to hear the birds and no traffic and it was a funny old time like yeah yeah so so tell us what happened then so what, then what, what happened yeah, you were right home <laughs> so i arrived home there's like high, we this high flying city slicker from new york absolutely first of all traumatized that no one could get a coffee anywhere within a 10 mile radius um uh, or like sushi delivered or anything. I was like, what is this? Where, where's my um, Deliveroo app or whatever? And uh, just really enjoyed being home for the first month. If we remember, like the weather was unreal. Like being in West Cork, it was great. Like I was outdoors a lot, swimming a lot. But then naturally, like, you know, uh, my mind would always be working and always be thinking yeah. of something. And it was actually a great friend of mine, um, Chris Mernan. He uh, was also the same situation. Me living in Dublin, came home to baltimore for the first lockdown and we were out for a walk one evening and he was uh we were actually if anyone knows the baltimore uh village there's like the old lifeboat cafe that was yeah. that that's been closed for a long time and he just in passing said to me um uh why don't you ever think about like starting a business down here for the summer and i was like what are you talking about and he was like well you don't want to go back to new york you've got all these skills you're unbelievable like working with people like why don't you open yeah. a coffee shop or something or and i just immediately like like the thoughts started like spinning or whatever and we just started talking on this this walk about what we do and whatever um and he you know he was helping me with all these different ideas shortly or soon after that i realized i had absolutely no experience in coffee whatsoever yeah. why would i open a coffee shop um but i did have this I, I he was like but then all my skills lied in the bar trade and obviously yeah. the bars were closed so just slowly started to think my first, actually, my first idea was to do a mobile bar in a van and actually throw a couple of kegs in the back of a van, drive around to people's houses and pour pints. But I called a that was solicitor. A good idea. It was a great idea. I called a solicitor and it's completely illegal in Ireland because of yeah. laws uh, for whatever reason. And I won't get into the details. It's basically impossible to do something in that in Ireland because okay. of the licensing. So I was still thinking about ideas and then I was like, God, the alcohol is just so hard to get around. And then it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, well, why don't I just omit the alcohol 
and I create a non-alcoholic cocktail mix there and just make it the cocktail the same way I always would have in the bar, but just leave it so that the alcohol can yeah. be added in by the other customer. And that was that oh was the God. moment then where I was like, this is what we're going to do. So, yeah, it, just like that, just it just came to me. I, it was literally a light bulb moment. I can't describe it any other way who than that. Who was with you in the room when this moment happened? It, I was with my brother, who has actually now turned out to be my business man, my business partner. So I suppose he was the one that, <laughs> uh, that probably rolled his eyes at the beginning, and then after a while, we both thought about. It. We were like, "This actually might work." Yeah, and I've had a moment like that with my brother as well. It was when we were. Um, devising the idea for the Irish Redhead Convention and we both kind of looked at each other going this idea is so absolutely ridiculously stupid that it's going to work yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and it's nearly too simple that someone should have done it before yeah. that was my big thing I was yeah. like why isn't this there already this yeah. is like this is just too easy and then yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that was so, what we ran with you work with your brother what Rory do you, what do you do now so me and Rory started Fox Love in June 2020. Uh, it's the two of us in the business together. Uh, we're brother and sister. That we're 10 years apart. Um, uh, I, if anyone's wondering, I'm the older one, 33, he's 24. Uh, but it's nice to go in business with a person who's 24 because he's a completely different perspective on things and he comes at things in a very different angle, which is I find really good. Uh, so we um, Fox Love Cocktails is non-alcoholic cocktail mixers, mm-hmm. garnishes and cocktail boxes, uh, that's what we started off with. Um, so we launched in June 2020, selling like directly to customers, selling in farmers markets, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that people get the mixers, they bring them home, and then they create their own cocktails using their own alcohol, whether it's gin, vodka, tequila, or they can have them alcohol free with sparkling water or as they are just over ice. Beautiful. So yeah. what kind of cocktails would you expect? So anything, um, we we have a wide range within our menu. There's some cocktails that would mimic popular style cocktails. Let's say we've got like a passion fruit and vanilla mixer, which is for the porn star martini. Really beautiful vodka and prosecco. Um, and then there's other ones that I'm very proud of that are like flavor combinations that we've come up with. Let's say there's like a grapefruit and rosemary, which I mm-hmm. uh, would recommend with like whiskey or gin. Uh, so that's a, that would create like a uh, whiskey sour. Another really popular one would be like a cucumber lime basil, which is kind of like a like a gimlet with vodka or gin as well. Uh, I love spicy uh, stuff. So we've got a spicy pineapple and jalapeno that you can make like a spicy margarita out of. So that, but that, so that it, we, we play off like flavor combinations, but we don't tell people like, oh, this is a porn star martini mixer or, or this is a margarita mixer because people want to kind of, experience that themselves and play mm. around with it themselves and mm. we find that that if there's an element of like creation and experimentation even though we're giving them the mixer the added the end product is still a uh, an experiment for the customer yeah amazing could you explain to us like the different type of cocktail flavor profiles that you get so somebody who who doesn't really know the cocktail taste you've got sour and spicy mm. which, what else we got sweet i guess you've got sweet you've got tart you've got fruity um, and then you kind of have any, everything in between, really. So that's how we kind of like to guide people. Like yeah. a lot of people would tend towards like the sweet or the fruity type. Yeah. Um, but then it, again, we have like sour and uh, more kind of spicy. So it, it just depends on everyone's flavor profile. And that's why we, like we have a wide range. So uh, but then the great thing is you can have a sweet cocktail and add it to vodka and the flavor will probably be the same. But you could have a sweet cocktail and put mezcal in it and all of a sudden you've got a smoky sweet cocktail so you know so you can you can play around with the flavors using 
the liquor just as much as the mixer. That makes sense. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about making cocktails at home, Tara? Because like it's it's all good and well to get out to a nice cocktail bar but if you don't live near one or if like me you have children and it's pretty hard to get out but you don't exactly want to let go of having nicer drinks what do you think is kind of useful first of all bits of like equipment to have in the in the house you know unbelievably yeah so the like the biggest thing that I would say uh, for making cocktails at home is like simplicity is key. Mm. You don't need to go out and buy like an expensive shaker or a strainer mm. or have high um, like high or expensive liquors or anything like literally there are ingredients that are in the kitchen that you can use right now. Um, let's say the, so the, the, for equipment wise, what I would always say is your simple jam jar, like not a small one. You do want it to be a, quite a large one. So something like a Dalmio jar or a Hellman's mayonnaise jar. Once they're done, wash them out, uh, take the label off, give it a good clean. And that then will act as your cocktail shaker. Mm. Um, because when you're building your cocktail, I always do believe, especially if you're going to use something like a citrus, uh, shaking your cocktail is key that would kind of like combines the flavors and it give it gives a good uh, well-balanced cocktail but a bigger jar is best so that's always the first thing that I say if people want to start making their own cocktails at home and then really um let's say the the simplest cocktail to break down would be uh one that is based on your alcohol and then you also have a citrus component and your sweet component mm. and if you mix the three of them together you can get a really beautiful cocktail mm. where everyone's familiar with the like let's say the daiquiri or the margarita or the gimlet and they are all alcohol spirit uh, sorry alcohol citrus and a sweetener so mm. let's say your margarita is tequila uh lime juice and agave syrup whereas a uh, daiquiri would be rum lime juice and simple syrup mm. so if you have um like your let's say your spirit and then some kind of lemon or lime juice as your citrus and your sweetener can be anything from simple syrup strawberry jam honey agave syrup, uh, you know, any anything at all that has a kind of a, a syrupy, com- sweet component to it mm. can be that sweet element to your home cocktail. So mm. like a like a beautiful, you can make like a whiskey sour out of that component as well. So that's your, so if you want tequila, rum, vodka or whiskey at home, as long as you have a sweetener and a citrus component, you can make a cocktail over oh, ice. Well, so we need the jam jar. Yeah. What else do we need? So let's actually, let's just say my favorite thing now to make at home is a mojito, right? Okay. So uh, if you wanted to make a mojito, the, ne- the other thing is, well, anyone could put a pot of mint behind their door, mm. the kitchen door. I always have a little small pot. Now, it is, it is always important to leave mint in a pot and not have it growing because it does grow wild. Mm. So I have a little pot of mint out the front door. To make a mojito, all you need is your rum. Like you can be spiced rum. You can use uh, white rum. Uh, you can use Malibu coconut rum, whatever flavor you like. But you've got your rum, uh, lime juice, your simple syrup, a few mint leaves, and then a dash of sparkling water if you wanted to uh, go a little bit further. Mix them together and that's your simple mojito at home. So easy. It doesn't cost you anything more than a euro, uh, especially for the ingredients, the alcohol mm. a little bit more maybe. And boom, it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shaky, shaky, shake in the jam jar. Yeah. So especially if you are, uh, any, as I said, if you're using like a citrus component, it's always good to shake. With the mint, you can always muddle it a little bit, but it is such a flavorful uh, ingredient that you 
that uh, shaking it with a bit of ice and the uh, liquid components of the cocktail will actually bring out the mint flavor. So there's okay. no need to model it. If you're shaking it in an environment like in an environment like that, it will get the flavors out. Two questions out of that. What's modeling? Yeah. How long should you shake for? So modeling is a simple uh, uh, exercise, let's say, of you, you are literally just kind of crushing the ingredient in order to get all the flavors out. Mm -hmm. So something like mint, uh, you know, you can pick it, you can smell it, you can taste it, but you might just want to like, like basically just burst the flavor out mm. of the surface. Mm. So it's key when you're muddling. Uh, you can, you will often see in a cocktail bar, it will be like a long, um, kind of nearly stainless steel stick, I'd say, that have a little bit of a, a flat, stamper, flat a stamper is a great way to describe it, it's like a flat rubber bit at the end. And they will just put the ingredients in, let's say the mint, maybe like a slice of lime as well, just for a bit of moisture and a bit of... Um, texture in it and then just literally just like like lightly just break it up so that you can just be, and you'll immediately smell the mint and the mm. lime mixing together uh what i would avoid is doing that too much because if you muddle too much you'll turn you'll actually get the fibrous parts of the mint coming out yeah. and it'll get quite bitter mm. so it is just to release the flavors mm. um but you could model you know if you had an orange slice or a lemon slice you could model them you can model strawberries blueberries uh, you know, basil, really, it's just a way of getting, just breaking up the, the flavor profile of whatever Perfect. you're using. So one of the other things you mentioned there was a simple syrup. How does one make a simple syrup? Oh, it is the most simplest component of a cocktail. <laughs> That's why they call it simple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so simple syrup is basically, uh, it is a liquid version of sugar. So it is one-to-one -one sugar and water, hot water dissolved together. I went into an undisclosed supermarket around here recently and I saw a bottle of simple syrup for sale for about seven euro for a litre. And it broke my heart. It's, it, it's, it's, That's it's, the next <laughs> item on the I wouldn't even do it. It's too much of a scam. But it is, so it's as simple as that. So throw the kettle on, have a cup of sugar. When the kettle's boiled, cup of water, pour it into a jug, give it a stir. And then that's what you get, because if you didn't do that, and if you added just, a, let's say, a tablespoon of sugar into your cocktail as it was, you would get a little bit of a sweetener, but we all know that it, it won't dissolve. So at the mm. end of your cocktail, you just be left at that grainy, sugary yeah. aspect, and no one wants that. So it's just an easy way to combine uh, the sweetness into your cocktail. But then as well as that, you can do infused or um, uh, different flavor simple syrup. So let's say if you wanted to make a rosemary simple syrup, you would... Uh, melt the or have your hot water and your sugar throw them together but then also throw some rosemary in mm. and then you would let that um melt away and then let that infuse as it cools down strain oh. it off and then you have a rosemary simple syrup ready oh. to go my god yeah. us all the deep syrup. <laughs> so this is great so i think people who like drinking cocktails at home would kind of have a little bit of a setup on the go then you've got all these little bits and every time you maybe want to make a new cocktail you've got kind of a little bit left over like I assume simple syrup can last no oh absolutely I'd say throw it throw it into like a a, a a jar of any stage or a bottle bit of a top on it put it into the fridge it could last for months yeah you know especially so you if can you keep adding to if it. you don't make cocktails yeah exactly <laughs> but the key is to strain it because if you leave let's say the rosemary or the strawberries in it especially if it's a fruit it could keep fermenting yeah. so the key would be to strain it fully uh, but yeah, absolutely. You can leave it in your fridge and it's just the perfect thing. Even for a mocktail, you don't even need to have alcohol. You can also just make yeah. a delicious mocktail with some strawberry syrup, lime juice and some sparkling water. Fast. Fast.
What about ice? Like, does it matter what type of ice you use when you're making cocktails? Type of ice. I would say, especially at home, you know, like if you have ice, you have ice. But what I say is the quantity of ice is really important because ironically, people believe that if there's too much ice in a cocktail, you're actually, you're, you're getting a lesser product, Mm -hmm. but the more ice, the better your cocktail will be. Because if you only put in one or two cubes of ice in a full cocktail, that will dissolve really quickly, Mm -hmm. water down your cocktail and change the flavor profile. But uh, a cocktail that's full of ice and um, uh, that really just like maintains the flavor, keeps your cocktail cold for longer and you won't be dealing with like dissolving small uh, bits of ice then going around as well. That's really interesting. Did you know that, Jack? I did. Well, I remember chatting to someone before. (laughs) (laughs) You learn something new every day. But I remember chatting to someone before and he was telling me that a lot of ice that comes from ice machines is made like with a thumb hole in the center because more surface area, you know, it freezes faster. Yes. So you have these big pieces of ice, but actually they're kind of hollow in the center. Mm. Um, Whereas with cocktails, you're better off having like solid ice cubes, you know, with like less surface area. And at home as well, you would normally have with those solid ice cubes. Your trays, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like something from a tray or like a bag that you pick up for, Mm. you know, a euro in the supermarket. Or Mm. the sexy ice balls that you see going into whiskey. Exactly. Yeah, that's class. Yeah, yeah, that does get me going when you have the lovely glass and the big ice cube. Right. I have another question for you, Tara. How do you like your eggs? I presume in cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) I adore an egg white in a cocktail. It is. Me too, actually. And I must say, when I uh, went back bartending in New York, it was something that we, I was a little bit apprehensive of. It does make people nervous if they mm. don't know what they're doing, but it is such a simple technique. And the great thing about eggs is that it actually doesn't change the flavor profile of the cocktail. It's more adding to the texture um, of mm. your cocktail. So you can play. So the key to uh, adding an egg white is that you um so let's say what we were talking about earlier let's say we wanted to make a whiskey sour which would be your traditional cocktail that would have we were talking about earlier your whiskey and then your sweet component let's say simple syrup it has your lemon juice as your citrus and then it adds an egg white Mm. so the key would be uh, obviously crack the egg get rid of the yolk you never want to add an oak uh, a yolk to a cocktail um, and so you uh, put in your you you uh, put in your egg whites with your other three ingredients your whiskey your simple syrup and your lemon juice and you shake that without ice uh, that is in the cocktail where it's called a dry shake so that uh, shaking let's say for maybe 15 or 20 seconds actually emulsifies the egg white mm-hmm. and and eliminates the risk of like salmonella or anything yeah. that you know people might be wary of yeah. egg whites so when you'll see that when you shake it for 20 seconds uh the volume of the cocktail will have increased so probably nearly like double so you get this really rich foamy head mm. on the cocktail then you can then add your ice then to chill it because the egg white has emulsified mm. so then you shake it for a little bit more uh with the added ice and then you strain it into your glass and you've got a delicious whiskey cocktail that you also can have at home very simply and yeah i, I have to say fresh, i got fresh it eggs is the key here Fresh eggs would be the key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there are, it is popular now. You see some bars that will have like egg whites and in a carton and mm. stuff. So it kind of just depends. But fresh is always best with cocktails. That's what I would yeah. always say. Yeah. Mm, it's really satisfying when you do that for the first time. Mm. Especially when you do it and you're, and you're serving it to someone who's apprehensive of an egg white. Yeah. And then they see how it's made. They see the process. And then they, they, they have the, they taste it. Like that velvety, 
texture that you get from the egg white is just beautiful. Yeah. Can we talk about, I suppose, some specific uh, recipes for cocktails that would be seasonal? So we're in September now. What would yeah. we be talking about for autumn cocktails? I suppose you kind of, you can play around with a lot of like berries, let's say like blackberries. Uh, you also can start playing with some like warm spices, like mm. uh, maybe like some cinnamon or some star anise. That would be more kind of like an autumn-y kind of flavor. Also apples and like elderflower. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got all those like lovely apples that are out in fresh season now so there's like you know the, the same way that if you're cooking you're thinking about the flavors and what what's seasonal the same thing is for cocktails you know mm. it, it, it it lends itself to be in the same kind of category as that okay so could you give us a blackberry cocktail recipe that i can try at home tonight yeah so basically what uh so you can make like a bramble let's say okay so if you uh if you've got some blackberries growing outside or in the supermarket you pick a bunch of blackberries Bring them home, wash them, make sure they're clean. And this is where I would make your simple syrup out of. So um, you would, uh, let's say, uh, get a pot, uh, some hot water, some sugar. I normally say one to one because, again, you're making your simple syrup. And then throw your blackberries in. Uh, so give that a stir on a low heat and make sure the sugar is all dissolved. And then just put a top on it, turn off the heat and just let it cool. So the blackberry flavor will infuse into your simple syrup. Mm. Best thing, case scenario, we do this box club a lot, is we actually leave it overnight. Mm. Uh, we have a chill blaster, so we uh, we let the flavor sit maybe for 24 to 48 hours. It just gives it like the most flavor mm. um, profile possible. Um, so then I would strain that. And then again, you have your sweet component. Uh, then your citrus could be like a lovely lemon juice. Mm. So just squeeze some lemon. Um, and then with your alcohol, like a lovely gin or something. So like you do a little shot of gin, maybe one shot of lemon and then two shots of blackberry because everything in cocktails is to do at ratio. There's no yeah. point me saying, you know, 50 mils of this and 75. If you have, it's like a, a two to one ratio sweetness to your uh, alcohol and your lemon juice. Give that a shake. Uh, maybe even throw an egg white in there using the process we just spoke about and you have a beautiful kind of bramble, uh, gin, velvety, delicious purple cocktail to drink. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you were mentioned gin there. I'm I'm a big whiskey fan. Yeah. Um, What other spirits, I suppose, are you seeing that are coming on trend that are being used in cocktails? So it's interesting having worked in the US for six years and then coming back here, where gin isn't so big in the US, but it's massive here. Mm. But what is having the trend in the US is tequila. Okay. So that's a, um, it's an amazing spirit. I adore it. And I feel like it hasn't had its moment yet in Ireland because most of us grew up with like the mixed old version of tequila, which uh, isn't actually true 100% agave tequila. The mm. Jose Cuervo, the silvery, caramelly color tequila that mm. we all did in, in college, um, a shot only is a, like an artificial uh, version of what tequila is. It's kind of mm. like a cheap version, and it, it, technically, it's called like a mixto. But the 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 tequila brands are what I would always look for if I was looking for one would be hundred percent blue agave tequila. Mm. This means that it's been hundred percent distilled from the agave plant, and as a blanco um, or like the the clear version of tequila, which is the the youngest. Um, age profile tequila would be like this beautiful like clear earthy could be a little bit sweet depending on the brand but it's amazing for cocktails you get this you can create beautiful margaritas with it Mm. uh, palomas with a drop of grapefruit juice 
Um, and then the Reposado and Añejo then is just it being aged in oak barrels for a certain length of time, depending mm-hmm. on the category. So I think it would be really interesting maybe in five, 10 years time to actually see tequila grow in this market. Um, and as and I know gin is so popular here, uh, but people are slowly especially with Foxglove, like asking for like, do you have a margarita mix or I'm having a Mexican night. So things like spice and Mexican food, tequila, they're all kind of, you know, they're all growing trends in Ireland, but yeah. I think it will take another few years, but it, it is an amazing uh, product to work with. And I just adore tequila. Cool. What's triple like- sec then Tara? So triple sec is just an orange liqueur. So um, it would, uh, let's say a, a well-known brand of triple sec could be Cointreau. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be, let's say we were talking about the margarita. You have your tequila, your Cointreau and your lime juice and maybe a bit of simple syrup as well. So it's it's just an orange liqueur. It might be like 20, 25%, but you can get a lot like variations of that Cointreau then like maybe like a cheaper product then as well as well as a more expensive one okay can i give my prediction sorry no no go jolene answering all our questions here (laughs) (laughs) can i give my prediction in terms of what well what trends i would i would personally like yeah yeah right um and i think it would be nice to kind of like have this kind of local irish thing going on so back in our potato podcast yeah we chatted to a guy who makes poutine out of spuds right and poutine being like the original moonshine, the illegal prohibition spirit. It's the first uh, installation, I suppose, of what we're knowing as whiskey. And you can get some really good poutines here in Ireland. I think that makes a fantastic cocktail mixer. Oh, I think absolutely. And, I, and it's such a, yeah. it ties into the Irish, uh, like our kind of, tr- not even a trend, but like our history as well. Like yeah. it would be something that like people can really like get behind. But as you, as most people are kind of here, poutine and they're like, oh no, like that was something like our grandfathers yeah. drank and we yeah. can't do that. But now people are bringing all the experience and the knowledge that they have of other spirits and they're bringing it into Pachin. And that, that now is becoming like a beautiful uh, spirit that people can enjoy. Yeah, yeah. tie into our heritage. There's exactly. also a cocktail bar in Dublin. Uh, called Bar 1661 that just specializes in poutine cocktails so you got to check that out maybe and get some fox gloves oh there. my god yeah we'll have to bring like a potato based uh, <laughs> cocktail mixer now next Boom. <laughs> <laughs> sorry Jack continue with your question before I rudely interrupted you well no I mean like bitters how important are bitters where do they feature what's the story there what is a bitter so bitters is essentially um they're often an alcoholic uh, they have very low ABV, um, but they are just a, a component of a cocktail that will just enhance the flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are ever using bitters, let's say in an old fashioned, just like one or two dashes will uh, open up the flavor of the cocktail. Uh, with Fox Love, we actually don't use bitters that much just because there is an alcoholic a component to it and everything that we make mm. is non-alcoholic so yeah. um but it is something that uh there's there's actually great irish brands out there that are making some like irish bitters with like irish ingredients and stuff so it, it is it's kind of like salt and pepper nearly of your meal you know it kind of just like gives it that little bit of extra oomph of the flavor and kind of enhances it all uh with and brings everything together how do you remember all your recipes um, uh, Rory, my business partner, <laughs> keeps notes everything. Um, <laughs> actually, if it, is, is anyone watching Bear at the moment? Are you watching that no, TV show? No. Uh, it's like a, 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 a kitchen in Chicago, but there's a scene where someone's like being really writing down everything and like being very labeled and everything. We watched it last night and Rory's like, see, that's what you're supposed to be doing in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm just like, 
I'm just like, I'm uh, ideas, yeah. You can't keep me in. Like, I'll have one pot mixing and something else going over here. And then, like, two days later, I'm like, so, Tara, I need to do the costing of that. What was that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was just doing this, that, and the other. But it tastes great. So we balance each other out. But Rory does keep the record on everything, and he's amazing. But I it just, it's a, it's a lot of, like, just, uh, it's a taste as well. Like, you can have yeah. your recipe, but then we know what we want to achieve. So, that's what we kind of go off yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, another good question here now. Well, I think it's a good question. How do you prevent a hangover other than not drinking? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, prevent a hangover or cure a hangover, I feel. Yeah. God, I'd say how to prevent a hangover. Well, water is a huge thing while mm. you're out. If you're actually out having a couple of drinks, having like a glass of water um in between or just alongside you okay. is key i remember when i started working for jameson in new york and my brother who who had a similar job to me just in denver um he said if you have this job tara you have to start drinking water and i was like get away i was like what am i doing drinking water when we're out but then because we were well, i went out so often with work you really did have to pace yourself and you were dealing a lot with like clients and bar managers and stuff so i have been in the habit of whenever i order a drink i also get a glass of water yeah now it doesn't happen throughout the whole end of the night but you start off with good intentions anyways um and then to be honest i think a cold shower in the morning and a cup of coffee when you're oh, in a grand. Swim. yeah and a sea swim this exactly. is a responsible you're, serving of alcohol yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very much drink responsible <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned trends, um, Jolene. Tara, what do you think the trends are going to be for the next couple of years? I do feel that the no and low alcohol category is the one that is going to keep growing. At the moment, it is the fastest growing alcoholic category, not only in Ireland, but I think Europe and globally, which is such an interesting fact because... Mm. Five, ten years ago, someone would laugh at you if you showed them like a non-alcoholic beer or, yeah. you know, a non-alcoholic gin. But it's it actually is such a great category because it's it, it more inclusive. You know, if someone's not drinking for whatever reason, their own choice or health reasons or just busy meeting the next morning, they can still have a tasty drink mm. and they can still be a part of the whole occasion and the celebration that is around alcohol. Mm. And I suppose then we're lucky with Fox Gloves because like we can we lend to that trend because as well as people being able to create their own cocktails, they can also create a delicious mocktail or they can choose like a non-alcoholic gin and make a lovely fruity gin cocktail mm. just without the alcohol. So mm. I do think that that's one of the most interesting uh, and fastest growing categories at the moment. Tara, I love your energy. You're so like absolutely buzzing. You're completely <laughs> wired. <laughs> you're, you're blowing me away. And this is a big statement for me. Oh, wow. I have a personal question for you, right? Yeah. If you had a time machine, right? And you could go anywhere you want, would you go back in time or would you go forward in time? Because I kind of see if you were back in time that you'd be like the ultimate lady working in a prohibition speakeasy. Yeah. But I could equally see you making kind of like suspended cocktails with zero gravity bars. What's, where are you going? Uh, no, I would be, so like anyone that knows me knows I'm a bit of a history nerd and I have this real thing for like the famine and like Irish history and like 
And so I would be, my dream, if I could go back and like create my own world, be like 1919 in Dublin, where like Ireland has Cutting just the gotten their independence and I'm a tough ass woman <laughs> running the bar and all the men coming in, drinking their whiskey and having their sups of, uh, their sups of stout. And I just, I'd be behind there now and I'd be looking after all of them and sending them home to their wives after they spent all their money with me. And I, <laughs> that would be that. That would be... <laughs> My dream. Uh, <laughs> you do well in New York. Yeah, time. yeah. And then in my off time, then I'd fight for the the independence, and I'd be out there with the lads. <laughs> exactly. Myself and Countess Markovic would be best pals. <laughs> what what can we expect from Foxcote down the line? What's what's what? what kind of plans have you guys got for the future? So we uh, have had a really interesting two years. I think anyone that has set up a business in general, you doesn't have to be during COVID, can agree that when you start something, um, it looks like one thing and then you, it slowly evolves. So our business was originally non-alcoholic cocktail mixers. Mm-hmm. Um, over the past, I'd say three to four months, since, especially since COVID restrictions have lifted, we have been able to enter into like the event and the uh, catering and, um, and like wedding space. So we are hoping to uh, still have the cocktail mocktail aspect of our business, which is really what drives us and what I'm so passionate about, but have it on more of a consumer experience level. So we're going to um, hopefully get a trailer or a truck, something soon, TBD, and be able to go to festivals, weddings, events, um, and be able to serve either like a full bar experience or uh, do a cocktail or even a full dry bar with mocktails, non-alcoholic beer, depending on what the what the customer is looking for, because we feel it's a really uh, it's a it's a trend. It's something that people are looking for. It's something we can offer a wide range of services. Um, and it's also fun. You're going out there, you're meeting people. You know, it's just a great way to really like me own my own bar, but also be able to pack up at 8 p.m. and go home and say, <laughs> I'm done now. I'm, you know, like I've worked for the day. Um, so it's like a, it's a beautiful way to kind of have both my, you know, my love of owning the bar, but also this business kind of come together. Brilliant. Savage. Thank you, Dara. Thank you. Tara, you're a lit bag. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. That, that's the next name of your next cocktail. The ledge bag. The ledge bag. It's been a pleasure. How can people find out about Fox Club? So we are active on Instagram, uh, Fox Club Cocktail Co. We also have our website, foxclubcocktails.ie. Um, if you're uh, ever looking for anything, like shoot us an email or even a DM on Instagram. Um, we are around. We also go to Mountain Point Market every Thursday. Jack Crowdy knows it well back in the day. Sure um, uh, so we're there uh, with our mixers. Um, so that's how you can find us. And you spied some of the neighborhood networks. Sorry, of course. More so the neighborhood. <laughs> they are the number one. <laughs> that is key. So we are in Douglas neighborhood. We're also in Skibreen and Lizabard neighborhood on Saturdays. Cool. And can people order your stuff nationwide through your website or anything? We are working on it. We are packaging struggles um, in shipping, but we're we're in the process of changing our packaging. So we're hoping for the Christmas market by mid-November that we'll have a better packaging option that we'll be able to do national shipping. Great. Yeah. Best enough, but... Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon, Dara. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we love you.